on, how many of you guys are excited to sing this morning to Jesus? Come on, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Come on, this song, we're going to sing about the name of Jesus. Can you say to your neighbor, say the name of Jesus? Come on, I want you to shout out Jesus. Come on. Come on, I want you to put your hands together like this.
strength of the Lord God Almighty. Because it's all about you, Jesus. Father to the fatherless, defender of the weak. Freedom for the prisoner. We sing. Father to the fatherless. Father to the fatherless, defender of the weak. Freedom for the prisoner. Your voice and cry. 
strong God, a God that is strong, but a God that loved you, a God that died for you, a God that poured it all out for you this morning, and you get alone with him in this place, and just pour out your love on him. I love you, Jesus. I love your presence. I love your hand in my life. I love what you're doing in me.
Lord, if that word was for you, can you just respond to him? Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have your way in my life, God. Your plans will succeed in my life, God. Have your way, Jesus. You're yours, God. You're yours, God. Time for another word this morning, Jesus. church saying raise your voice Have 
he's the one. He's the one that paid the debt. His name is Jesus. He's the one that deserves the glory. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, we give you the glory, Jesus. You raised us up from the dead. We were once lost, but now we've been found, oh God. Come on, get a revelation this morning that you serve a God that is not dead. He is alive. Get a revelation this morning that you serve a mighty God, that he is the creator of the heavens and the creator of the earth, that he made you, he formed you in your mother's womb, that you are made in his likeness. Get a revelation this morning. Get a revelation this morning of who he is, of who he is. Come on, you are mighty to save. You are mighty to save. You are mighty to save, Jesus. You are not a God that is far away. You are concerned with us. You care about us. Your love is real, oh God. You are with us, oh God. You are not a man that you should lie. You tell the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are God. You are God. You are God. We give you the glory. Holy Ghost this morning. 
the gospel to you this morning and as I begin the ushers are going to go ahead and pass out the communion to you we usually do communion the first Sunday of every month but since we were all blizzard out last week we're going to go ahead and take it together as a church family this morning in just a few moments I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus I want to talk to you about the man Christ Jesus that came to this earth as a baby, born of a virgin, walked through life sinless, and died a horrible death. He was beaten, he was tortured, and he died upon the cross, all in the name of love. All in the name of love. See, we complicate it so many times. Oh, he died for my sins. I got to go do this. I got to do this. You don't have to do anything. He loves you. God loves you that he made a way. All you have to do is open your hearts and say, yes, I will receive the love that God has for me. God made that plan. He sent Jesus Christ to the cross because he loved humanity. That's you and that's me. You know, growing up, I grew around the church. I grew up around the church. And I always had this picture of God in my mind. Many times it was just from bad theology that was taught to me. But I was taught that God was angry at me. And every time that, that I sinned, he wanted to get me. He was going to strike me down. And I had to be so afraid all the time. Oh, I can't go to God because I sinned. I can't go to God. I, that's not a place that I can run to. That is a lie from the pit of hell. When you are in sin, you don't run from God. You run to him. And that's where you find mercy. And that's where you find grace. And that's where you find love. So if you are in this room this morning, 
morning and you have not experienced love, that you have not opened your heart to the love of God, it is time, friend, to open your heart. It is time to open your heart to a love that you have never experienced before. And if you are in this room and you call yourself a Christian, yet you live a life of sin and destruction, or you're a hypocrite, just be honest with yourself this morning. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's pointing the finger. Just be honest between you and God. If you are living a life of destruction, yet call yourself a Christian, it's time to get a revelation of his love because if you knew it, you wouldn't live a life of destruction. You would live a life pleasing to him. You would love him back. You would obey his commands. So at this moment, let's just prepare our hearts for communion. Let's prepare our hearts, each individual, between you and God right now between you and the living God. And as I pray in a moment, do your own prayer in your heart. If you are not right with God right now is the moment. His spirit is here. His love is here for you. All you need to say is, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you. That's all it takes. Honesty and saying yes to him. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, oh God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here this morning. I thank you that you made a way, God, through Christ Jesus, that we could be saved, that we could be healed, that we could be forgiven, and that we could be reconciled to you that we can have a relationship with you. And I pray for every person in this room that doesn't know you, I pray right now would be their moment. I pray that their heart would cry out, Jesus, I need you. And for those in this room who continue in a cycle of sin, I pray, God, that they would cry out, Jesus, I need you. God, let that be the heart of the people in this room this morning as we prepare to remember what you did on the cross for us. In Jesus' name. During our fellowship time, you're going to have um, some time. There will be prayer workers up here at that time to pray with you. If that was you and you just need another woman of God or man of God to confirm it in your life and to pray with you, you'll have that time then. Oh. I'm going to go ahead and take communion. If you could put up my scripture for communion. Corinthians 11, 23 through 25. It says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he, ha he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me on right now I'm going to give thanks for the elements Father I thank you for this wafer and this juice that represents your body and your blood that was broken I thank you Jesus for what you did on the cross I thank you Lord 
that we can be right with you. And as we remember this morning, as we take it and remember what you did for us, I pray that you would draw us all so close, oh God. I pray every person would hear your voice. Every person would be right with you in this room. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and take the bread together. ready, please stand up to your feet with me. As the band leads us in a song, let's get a heart of thanksgiving in this place. As we just remembered, as we went through the gospel, as we did all of that, now let's get a heart of thanksgiving. We say, thank you, Jesus. You have the glory. The victory belongs to you. And we are grateful. We are forever grateful. We owe you our life, oh God. Everything that we do, it belongs to you, oh God. Lift your hands in this place with me. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did.
reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. If you need prayer, please come to Pastor Griselda and Berto. Fellowship.
Amen. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Oh, the blizzard separated us, but we are back together once again. God is good. It's wonderful to see all your beautiful faces. On behalf of all the pastors and the leaders here, we thank you so much for choosing MPI to worship the Lord. So welcome to Metro Praise International. Uh, if this is your first time here, we welcome you. And if you did not receive one of our brochures at the front door, our ushers will give one to you right now. If you just wave your hand in the air, you can fill out the bottom portion, cut it out, and then uh, just put it in our Dropbox. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. So again, welcome. We're excited that you're here. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And then on Fridays, Elevate. They meet at 7 p.m. Those are for teenagers, 11 to 18. So they're rocking it out for Jesus. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God, loving people. Let's say that together. Loving God, loving people. And we want to do that with everything inside of us. And then our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send. We're very passionate and serious about those steps. And the way we want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to the church is through our life groups. Somebody shout out life groups. On the back of your handouts, if you turn it around, you will see our schedule for this quarter of the types of life groups we offer to you and your family. Take a run through it, look at it, find a place, a type of life group that will meet your needs the best and choose to connect to MPI, choose to connect to Jesus. And we like to uh, give you a snapshot of what we have going on just for the week. So a lot of fun stuff that's happening. Today, Sunday, we have our single men meeting. Come on, men, make some noise. They are ready to mingle, single and ready to mingle. But first, they got to meet with Ish before they do that so they can man up, okay? So that's for 18 years and up. Ish, can I get an amen? Wherever he is. Okay, he left us. There, Rob and his wife did it for me. So 18 years and up, 3 p.m., that's where you want to meet, 543 North Noble Street, okay? So if you are single and you are a male, you have got to go there today. Then Wednesday, we have our King's Kids. That's every week for our little ones, infant to 11 years old. 6.30, drop them off at the church, pick them up around 8, and that's their time, their life group, their time to get discipled to meet with Jesus. Amen? And then we have two adult Bible studies that meet every Friday, one at the Goveas, one at the Walkers. They both meet at 7 p.m. Come on. Give it up for those life groups. 18 years and up. They both have child care, and it's just an awesome time getting close to the body of Christ, fellowship, building those friendships and getting close to Jesus. And then Saturday, that's every week, we have our evangelism team that goes out. All ages are welcome. Meet at the church at 5 p.m. Go street witnessing and share your faith um, with others about the Lord. Come on. And then we want to send you out. And so we want to send you out to the streets, to your workplaces, to your families to talk about Jesus, to win souls from. And then our goal here uh, at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you guys excited to give your tithes and offerings this morning? Are we ready to uh, hear and learn about the lesson of tithing? Come on. You can go to givingbook.org if you would like to follow along with me on your phones. Or you can look up at the screen and turn to your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. We are on lesson, we are on section one about tithing, and we are on lesson six today. If you want to make up lesson five, since we missed last week, you can do so on your own by going to givingbook.org. Last week's lesson was God curses those who tithe. And you can guess what today is. Lesson six is God 
curses those who don't tithe. Somebody say, ooh. Here's the definition. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Let's read in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Will a mere man, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. This is God speaking to us. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithe, in tithes and offerings was his reply. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Here are the main points from the passage of scripture. Number one, not tithing is considered robbing God. There is no more explanation. It is point blank with that. God considers the tithe his. Thus, when we don't give it back, he considers us robbers. Verse 8. And we can see uh, as pastors, as leaders, when we challenge the church, when we challenge people, we put it before them as a command of the Lord, as uh, something that's taught in scripture, to tithe, to give God first what he blesses you with, and they don't do it, and they struggle. There are so many things that fall apart in your life that you don't realize will cost you things. You know, you won't be blessed on your job. You're, there's, there's things, there's issues that will arrive that will come out in different areas of your life. You want to make sure that when you're giving uh, you're all to God that finances is one of them because we've seen firsthand that marriages get out of order because there's strife, there's financial stress. And so when we don't put God first, when we rob him, there's a lot of things that get to go out of order in our life. And we want to guard ourselves from that. And God gives us the answer. Amen. Number two, God curses those who don't tithe. God curses or punishes those who break his commands, both in this life and in the judgment to come. So just like any other commandment that we would break, tithing goes hand in hand with that. We want to have clean hands and clean hearts before the Lord. And I just want to make a correction because I, I think I said the wrong word. Last week's was God blesses those who tithe, not curses. He will bless you if you tithe, and he will curse you if you don't tithe. So you choose. The choice is yours. You want a blessing or a curse? And the answer to, to that would be you tithing if you want to be blessed. Come on, here's our summary. Giving God our whole tithe is a very serious command that will result in curses and punishment if we neglect it. We don't want to be in that group. Look to your neighbor and say, I ain't got time for that. Okay? We want to be a blessed people. And when we bless God's kingdom, he blesses us. Amen? Here's the application. Number one, don't rob God by keeping his tithe. Stop being a robber. Number two, repent if you have been robbing God by stealing his tithe. Turn from that error and do the opposite. And number three, give God your tithe faithfully. Come on. Let's confess this together over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Come on, if you are excited, stand up to your feet with me this morning, and let's get ready to give. Come on, with joy in our hearts. Woo! I'm excited to give if you can't tell because we missed last week. So we have an overflow and abundance in our heart. Come on. 
At MPI, we believe a tithe is a 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. Missions offering is a gift above your tithe that we designate towards missions, and a building offering is gifts given above your tithe to purchase a 15-passenger van. And somebody get excited with me because this is our report. Come on. Metro Praise International, you have raised in one month $2,289. This is all towards our building fund to get this van so that we can keep on picking up people to come to church and join us in the house of the Lord. Come on. That is something to be excited about. So we have $5,711 left. Let's keep on giving. Let's keep being faithful. Let's keep being generous people of God so that we can see a city changed for Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your prosperity, that you don't want us broke, busted, and disgusted, that you want us blessed, that you want us walking in your favor. And I pray that you would loose that over your people to all the people that have been faithful, tithers and givers of offering, that you would pour out a blessing that they wouldn't have room to receive it, oh God. And we walk in that every day. And I pray that you would continue to meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus as we we win Chicago for you and to all the nations in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Let's recite this together. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Come on forward this morning as you give to the Lord. How many are happy to be in church this morning? Make some noise. Come on, man. I mean, I hope you guys forgave me for letting you stay home last week. But it was like, man, it was a blizzard, and I knew it was going to happen during church, and I just didn't want to be responsible for families getting stuck in their cars. But how many, let's just say it like this, how many enjoyed the blizzard? Was anybody here that enjoyed it? Okay. How many of you are so happy to see all the snow go away right now because you don't want to build a snowman? There you go. Do you want to build a snowman? No, I don't want a snowman. I want to build a sandcastle. I want to be on Lake Michigan. That's where I want to be. Oh, man, I'm so excited that you guys are here this morning. Isn't God good to be in the land of the living? I'm going to do something special right now. We're going to pray for our SUM students that are heading to Mardi Gras this week. So let's give it up as they come forward so we can pray for them. Steve and... Jose, Julian, maybe you could put up a cool picture of Mardi Gras. Guys, would you just stand in front, and I'm going to look at you, you'll look at me, and then I'll have you look at them, okay? <laughs> Basically, guys, we're going to go to Mardi Gras. Where are the ladies at? Is there any ladies? No, no ladies coming? 
All right, just the fellas. Woo, woo. Woo, some beasts. Okay. So for everybody who doesn't know this, we have a Bible college here. We host it from California. They come here. It's accredited. FAFSA grants, loans. It's the real deal. They're getting their bachelors. And these four men of God, these hombres Dios, or um, how, do you, how do you say it? Say it for me, senor. Por favor. Um, uh, you messed me up. Hombre de Dios. Hombre de Dios. Okay, so these hombres de Dios are going to go preach the gospel. No, oh, man, I got to get Joe Saldana. Come on up here, Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe's going to be coming with us too. Give it up for this man of God. Amen. As a matter of fact, why don't you guys face the people right now? Because you guys know. I'll tell you about what we're going to do. Okay, so anyways, if you guys don't know, Pastor Joe has joined our church with his wonderful family. And uh, he's pastored in the city, and he felt God call him to join with us. We're going to see what God's going to do together. But I felt in my heart to bring him with me to Mardi Gras so he could see some of the crazy, radical preachers out there. And we're just going to have a great time. Okay, so these men of God are going to Mardi Gras because the Bible College goes out here to the wild places of Canal Street and Bourbon Street and the French Quarter, and we preach the gospel. And so they're going to be leaving when? Wednesday night, Thursday? Wednesday night, driving all the way there, 18 hours. Pastor Ellie, come on up. He's leading the cohort, and he's our youth pastor. Give it up for Pastor Ellie. It's like it's all dudes. It's all men. Come on. And so they're all representing, and uh, we're going to pray for them to have a safe trip up there in the van, that the preaching goes well. They're going to be there all week, uh, the end of, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, which is the big day, Fat Tuesday. It's a big party. They estimate like 5 million people come out to the streets of New Orleans. So imagine like downtown New York, like how they have the... Uh, the New Year's Eve celebration, imagine that, but like for seven days, all partying, open alcohol, just drunkenness. It's crazy. It's wild. And uh, we preach the gospel there. Amen. This is like my 14th or 15th time there. Amen. And uh, okay, guys, come and face me. Let's just pray for you now. Why don't you guys all hold hands? That would be nice. No, no, y'all ain't getting away with the hug. You got to hold hands. Interlocking. Interlock like this. Like this. Like this. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you're doing it too. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to do it. You do it. Interlock those hands. Okay, you just doing that. I love you guys. Pastor Ellie, why don't you pray first, because you know what's going on in everybody's life here for what we need to accomplish, and then I'll pray for everybody. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for what you're doing in New Orleans, God. We know that you love New Orleans, God, and we, you know that, we know that you love the people who go to, to Mardi Gras, God, the ones who are partying, the things of that sort, God. So we pray, God, that you would send us the radicals out there, God, to speak, to go out there just to speak the, the gospel to the people that are lost, Lord. Use us here, God. Give us just the wisdom and the knowledge just to be able to speak into everyone's lives there, God, because you know what is happening, God. You know the power that needs to be happen right there, God, to break the chains of sin and bond that people are going through, God. So use us here, God. God, Lord, have your way, Lord. And Lord, I pray that every one of these men's eyes will be guarded against the perversion on the streets and that, Lord, their testimonies will rock that city, Lord. God, there are people from all over the country and literally the world that come to Bourbon Street in the French Quarter, and I pray that their testimonies from Chicago and what you've done here will change their lives and change their destinies, and that, Lord, there will be a revival on those streets because of what these young men and brothers have done for you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. And everybody said amen. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Woo! 
Amen. Thank you guys for interlocking the hands, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're starting a brand new series for the month of February on love. Everybody go love. Now, this whole month is going to be about the love of God. And I might get into some love of the husband and wife and family, so keep coming. We're going to hear from our elders this week, uh, this month as well. Uh, our campus pastors, Berto and Griselda, will be sharing a message. And we're going to be talking about how God has a heart for the church and how he has a heart for you. And today, I just want to kick off this series that was meant to start last week. So I'm going to try to combine some things today. But I want to kick off this series on a message called God's Heart for You. Everybody say, Jesus loves me. Amen. That's what I want today to be about. I want you to be able to sense the love of God inside your soul. I want you to learn about it. Those of us who are already Christians and know that God loves us, I want you to learn about it so you can know more about his love. I don't think that we can ever get to the point where we can say we know all about the love of God. How many think there's always something to learn about the love of God? And if you don't, you're going to get your mind blown today. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Okay, we're looking at the book of Ephesians. Let's start here in chapter 3. Go to verse 16. This will be our passage for the whole month of February. Going to Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. The uh, city of Ephesus was a pagan Roman city that was known for worshiping a woman named Diana. And Diana was known to have temple prostitutes. And so the way you would go and worship this goddess called Diana is you would go and have sex with the temple prostitutes. This is for real. This is real talk, okay? This is how crazy things were back in those days, and it just reminds me of some of the things I see on MTV now. We're almost getting to this day, are we not? To kind of like this sex-crazed, idolatrous mindset, you know? But this was actually a part of their religion, okay? So Paul went to this city and preached against this woman to the point where the people brought out all of their idols, all of the witchcraft that they had to worship this woman, and began to burn it in the middle of the city. As they began to burn these idols in the middle of the city, the people who made idols got upset. And they then caused a riot and tried to kill the apostles. So if you look at this Bible like it's some type of, uh, you know, just some peaceful little story, you don't understand the revolution that this Bible would cause in people's lives, the stories that are in this Bible. It's revolution or riot, or we should say. Sometimes the people changed and other times they didn't. And sometimes they changed and they wanted to kill them because it's divided. So in this pagan city, where they worship this goddess Diana, the people began to give their whole heart to God to the point where they burned what they estimated to be millions of dollars of idolatrous things for this goddess. And as they turned to follow Jesus, they were now being persecuted by the community they lived in. The people of Ephesus did not like the Christians because they had turned away from paganism. And if you want to know why, also in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul sent Timothy to be in Ephesus. In the book of Timothy, it talks about women being quiet in church and that they shouldn't have braided hair. This is not for our culture, but was for their culture because the women who served as these prostitutes would be known to be the prostitutes by their hairdo, and then they would come to the Christian church and disrupt it. And so God was speaking to Paul 
through to Timothy to say, silence these kinds of women in the church because they're causing you problems. There's some history about why he said no braided hair or women talking in 1 Timothy. Can I get an amen that women can talk now? Amen. No temple, no temple prostitutes here trying to take over this service. Amen. You gets none, hon. You gets none. You come talking all that stuff here, we're going to sit you down. Amen. But then their church, they didn't have control over it, and Paul had to say just silence them and let them uh, learn from the men because these temple prostitutes were causing so many problems. Now, I want you to hear all of that background information so that when you get to this passage, it has some meaning to you because this passage is a part of an entire letter called the book of Ephesians that Paul writes to these people, and it is probably the most heavenly-minded epistle letter of Paul in the entire New Testament. Matter of fact, if there was a book that I would recommend to you to read at this time in your life to grow spiritually and to know about God and to know God's plan for your life, I would recommend the entire book of Ephesians. Because here in this book, God uh, begins to encourage the people through Paul by giving them all of the analogies, all these analogies of what it's like to be a Christian. Now remember, they have given up everything. They are being persecuted, and now they are suffering for Christ, and so this book is encouraging encouraging them with things like this. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what Paul says in this book. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Though here in this world you suffer, your spirit is with him. In another place, he talks about marriage. This is the famous passage, you know, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. But at the end of that, he says, this is not the most important thing we need to know. We need to know that Christ loves us and the church like a husband loves his wife because we're the bride of Christ. And so in this letter, we learn that the church is so important to Jesus that it's literally his bride. So while people are throwing stones at them, walking to church, imagine you walking to church and your neighbor's throwing things at you. That's what they were going through. Paul is saying, but you're the bride of Christ. Jesus has his eyes on you. Jesus loves you. You are seated with him in your spirit in heavenly places. And then in another place, in the book of Ephesians, it says, put on the full armor of God. Has anybody ever learned about the armor of God? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the gospel of peace for your shoes, and the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, there you go. This is the armor of God. So he's telling them, you've got armor. You've got weapons to fight back with. But they're not physical weapons because your enemy is not a physical enemy. Why is he telling them that? Because they're physically being persecuted. They're physically being uh, hurt. But Paul is telling them, he's saying, no, don't fight them with physical weapons. Fight them with your faith because it's the devil's using them. Their words come from the devil. He's trying to get you to get discouraged. They don't know any better. And as a matter of fact, in the book of Ephesians, it says you used to be just like them. Most of the people who came from the, came to the church came from the worship of the goddess Diana. He said, you used to be like them, but you're not anymore. Walk in the newness. Walk in the new man. You remember the identity series that we went through? This is another book that builds up the identity of Christians. Walking in the life of Jesus, knowing who you are. You are married to Jesus. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You are a soldier in the army of the Lord, clothed in battle armor, ready to stand against the evil day. And then here in the heart of this passage, we are then told that they get the opportunity to know God in ways that no one else has ever known him. 
Paul begins to pray this prayer for these people. And can I pray this prayer for you? Now, we may not be in that same culture, but are we not in a culture where Christianity is becoming less and less popular? Are we not in a culture where some of us suffer for our faith? from family members, co-workers? Are we not in a culture where we are told to worship the things of this world and not think about heaven? We're told that we're too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good in this world, aren't we? That we're, we're told that prayer really doesn't work, and if we just do these things in life and get an education and pay our bills, we'll have a good life. It's like the world is trying to tell us not to love God with all of our heart. It's like the world is trying to tell us there's something more important than God's love. But I want to tell you today in this series or share with you this prayer, and I hope that you will receive it as a prayer for you today, that God wants you to know his love. That in the midst of this generation, in the midst of everything assaulting you, coming against your faith, every trial and test. Has anybody ever gone through any trials and tests as a Christian? Come on, every trial and test you're facing, God is with you. Everybody say this, I pray. Come on, somebody say, somebody's praying for me. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Paul's praying this. I'm praying this. You're praying this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, talking about God the Father, may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray. Somebody say, I pray. Come on, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. Everybody say to grasp. Thank you how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How many want to be filled with all the full measure of God today? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Come on, think about your biggest imagination. God can do more than that for you. More than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And can I hear everybody say amen? Come on, say amen if you believe it. Praise God. Did you hear that prayer? I mean, did you hear the heart of Paul in this prayer? And if we believe scripture is inspired, this is not just Paul's heart. This is the heart of God. God has a heart for you to know his love. Now, I want you to think about this today as we begin to start this series about maybe what someone say, maybe a cute story about my family. And if you can't get this understanding because you're not a parent, that's okay. But I think most of you will get it even if you're not parents right now. But I want you to think about this. Every night or as often as I can, I love to ask my kids, how much does daddy love you? Does any other parent relate to that? You ask questions like that. And I ask my children, how much does daddy love you? And they reply, Toso. And they throw open their arms. Now, Toso is Greek for this much. And I taught them that. It's not an accident that they say that. It's because I wanted them to know from the earliest age how much I love them. How much does daddy love you? Toso. This much. And now I want you to think about this as we go through our sermon series today. God wants you to know how much he loves you. 
He wants you to answer that question. He knows how much he loves you. But he wants to know, do you know how much he loves you? And there's such a good illustration for this that I want everybody just to stand up with me, please. Everybody stand up. Let your neighbor know you're going to need some room, okay? When I say how much Jesus loves you, I want you to say Tosa. Everybody say Tosa. And then I want you to spread your arms as wide as you can. Are you ready? Metro Praise International in Chicago today, how much does Jesus love you? Now leave your arms like this. This is the cross. This is the cross. How much does he love you? This much. Come on, get that. This much. You may be seated. Amen. How much did God love the world? He loved it so much that he sent Jesus to go on a cross for you and I. This much. When you doubt your value, when you doubt your self-worth, you need to look back to the cross. The cross is showing the love of God, not just for a globe. When we say God loves the world, sometimes we can just look at a globe and go, that, that's what he loved. No, he loved you, you, you and me this much. It's not just a globe. It's not just a world. It's not just things. It's not just an inanimate object. No, God loved you. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. I would challenge you in the times that you get discouraged because we all do. Sometimes when we question God in the midst of our trials, I would encourage you to say John 3.16 a little bit differently. God so loved me that he sent his only son to die for me so that I would not perish. But if I put my faith in him, I will have everlasting life. God so loved me. God so loved you. The world is not the same because of God's love. If you would just think today about how God's great love impacts the world we live in, you would see that even though sinners act in wickedness, they still cannot suppress God's love. Even the worst of sinners still love each other. Nazi Germany loved Nazi Germany. Where did brotherly love even among them come from? It came from God. Even the crazy Vikings loved their own children, though they would kill others' children. Where did that spark of love come from? Would I call this throughout humanity, what theologians have called this, are signals of transcendence. There's little signals, even in the darkest of places, of God's love. There is not a place in this universe where God's love cannot be found. It has changed the way we look at the world. And now think about how much greater God's love is than anything we can imagine, greater than even the best of us here, because, of course, we're not Nazi Germany and we're not killing other people like the, the, uh, the Vikings, as I've been watching that show. Anybody been watching that History Channel? Okay, just move right along. Just moving right along. My examples never make sense here, and that's okay. That's okay. Anyway, that's all right. No, but... Uh, no, we're good people. Like, we love our children here, right? Like, we love our families. We love people here. We're awesome at loving. Guess what? God's love is better than that. 
So no matter if you look at the darkest of places or the greatest of places, God's love is greater than even in your own family. And I want you to think about this. God loved you before you even knew yourself. Before you even knew who you were, God loved you. God loved you enough to create you even though he knew at times you would reject him. But he loved you so much. He loved you in your mother's womb before your mother even knew you, before you knew yourself. Have you ever thought about the time, the first time you ever knew yourself? Think about that. Maybe you've never thought about it, but it's true. There was a time where you didn't know yourself, and then there was a time where you got to know yourself. Now, some young adults and teenagers, you still don't know yourself. You're just trying to be like your friends. But I'm not talking in that way. I'm talking literally. Do you remember the first time you thought and therefore you knew you existed? For me, it's like sometime in preschool, I began to have a conscious mind of who I was. Oh, here I am. <laughs> right? <clears throat> it's not like a baby has self-awareness, does it? Do you remember the time you started to have self-awareness? Do you remember the time you began to realize right from wrong? Do you remember the first time you did something wrong? Do you remember the first time you did something right or you were given a, a reward of some kind? It might have been being potty trained. Do you remember getting a piece of candy? I mean, just think about that. But guess what? God loves you before that. Sometimes we as Christians, we get so caught up in thinking about what we're expected to do now, which is awesome because God loves us to give us commands. How many parents give their children commands? Right? So that's good. But sometimes we as Christians get so caught up in God's commands that we forget he loved us before we even knew what a command was. God knew you before you even knew thou shalt not steal. So why would you think that now this command dictates whether or not he loves you? He loved you before you even knew what it was. He loved you before you ever got involved in whatever you did that was so sinful. Now all of us have sinned in different ways. We've all had our own taste of sin. Someone here might relate to being a sinner in the sense of committing crimes. Another person might have just been selfish. So they lived a good life on the outside, but on the inside they were selfish. Others might have believed in other religions, just chose to believe something over the gospel. Or maybe they didn't know any better. But I want to ask every Christian here, no matter what your background is or how you came to Jesus, do you remember the first time you experienced his love? Not the first time you knew yourself, not the first time you knew his commands. I'm asking you a very separate question. When was the first time you got an understanding, God loves me? Now, I remember growing up in church, and I heard it all the time, and I do believe I understood God's love in a sense, but it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I was sitting at my mother's kitchen table that I thought my life was going to end. It just was falling apart. I was doing drugs. I was couch surfing, and I remember asking my mother to put me in a mental hospital, and she was preaching at me, and I was getting upset, but in the midst of that, she told me to stop arguing and just listen to me. She said, Jesus loves you, has a plan for your life. Will you pray with me now? Now, that's not profound. That's not going to be written down in some poetry book. That's not going to be given to communication experts and be analyzed. But my mom used just a simple tactic to get me out of the argument, out of the distraction of what I was thinking. And she tried to get me to focus on Jesus. And literally, I had heard it a hundred times, but literally that moment... November 5th, 1995, sitting at the kitchen table, that moment, it was like someone turned on a faucet of warm, buttery syrup. Warm, buttery syrup, butterscotch flavor with a hint of bacon. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
But as silly as that sounds, I'm telling you, I used to do drugs, and I was a guy that lived for the feeling of the high, the feeling of this high, and abusing different substances. But I knew at that moment there was no high like the most high. The love of God encountered my life. The love of God, not the law of God, not the judgment of God. It was his loving kindness. It was his mercy that touched my heart. And my heart was hard. It was his mercy that melt like the snow is melting right now. It was his mercy that melted my heart. And then, of course, I repented for my sins. But that wasn't the point. It wasn't like, I'm going to repent of my sins so you love me. I'm going to do this so you love me. No, it was because you love me, God. I'm going to repent of my sins now. I'm going to turn away from these friends that don't love you. God, it's because you love me. Your love is drawing me, God, to another life. That's what made me want to love Jesus. Where were you? I was talking to some of our leaders about when they first encountered God, and it's so amazing to see the kind of people we have in this church, even as leaders. Some people encountered God in this church. Some encountered God on a beach when somebody witnessed to them. Another can remember encountering God in a jail cell. How many believe people should encounter God in jail cells? It's not just jailhouse religion because he's still serving God years later. Me at a kitchen table, where were you when you encountered God's first love? Uh, encountered God's love for the first time? Remember that as I continue to talk to you today. When we're talking about God, as you notice in the Bible and in this church, of course, we believe in a triune God. He is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even in just this passage, you can begin to see how God the Father is doing this through his Spirit so that Christ may live in you. It's the Father who gives you the riches by his Spirit so the Son can live in you. Everybody say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, that he, right here, that he is the Father that he may strengthen you, the Father may strengthen you through his, what is this word here? His spirit. And why is he doing that? So that the love of Christ may be in you. That the love of who? Christ. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who loves you? God loves you. Who is God? He is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some people look at the Old Testament and they say, oh, no, God didn't love us then, but Jesus, he loves us now. That's not true. God wasn't some big old meanie back then and some nicey now. No, God has always been the same. In the Old Testament, judgment was revealed upon the earth immediately. So when we talked about tithing, it was so funny because I had to text my wife. She was like, last week's message was God curses those who tithe. This week's message, God curses those who don't tithe. It's like it was so quiet in here. I, I felt so bad for my wife. I'm like texting her. Because I could just imagine if you're a visitor here and you're like. So what do I do then? I don't even know what to do. How to, tell me how not to be cursed. How to, I don't know what to do. So it's like texting her. You're blessed if you, you're blessed. Tell them they're blessed. Well, th th this, is the this is the way you can understand the Old Testament is God was speaking literally through blessings and curses. People died by not obeying. Judgment came to nations. In the New Testament, this is now waiting for a judgment day. But it's still going to happen. People are going to die. 
There's going to be blood upon this earth when Jesus comes back riding a white horse with a sword. The blood will be as high as a horse's head for over 144 miles. There's a battle of Armageddon coming. Jesus is doing it. Sweet baby Jesus is doing this. Amen? Sweet baby Jesus. Yeah, that Jesus. But the only difference is, is right now Jesus is speaking through the gospel, the cross. In the Old Testament, God was looking towards that event and guarding humanity from extinction. That is why he had to literally kill and destroy at that moment. There were entire nations that were sacrificing their children, burning them on altars. As you can see, the Greeks and Romans at this time were having temple prostitution. God had to deliver his people and set a standard so that his Messiah may come. Can I hear an amen for them? So the bottom line is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as the book of John says, God is love. The Father is love. The Son, Jesus, is love. The Holy Spirit is love. And guess what? Before they ever loved you, they loved each other. The Father loved the Son, and the Father and Son loved the Spirit. Loving is not something they needed you to do. Sometimes people get a little cocky and say, well, if God was by himself and then he created me, that must mean he needs me to be a friend. No, Jesus is not lonely. He has the Father. The Spirit's not lonely. He has the Father and the Son. They are the Godhead, the God family, not separate. Only in their mind and personality are they separate, but they are one in substance. That is the mystery of the Trinity. We'll leave it there for another time. Everybody say love. So we're talking about God loving you. The Greek uh, Bible, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, has two words for God, the, uh, two words for love. The first one is philiostorgos, and that is that root word philio, and this means brotherly affection. We have a city called Philadelphia named after this. Everybody turn with me to uh, Romans 12 verse 10, please, so that you can see brotherly love. Because how many know I love my brothers in a different way than I love my wife? Does anybody understand that? I don't be loving my brothers the same way I be loving my wife. How many know there would be some problems with them? So the Greek language helps us distinguish what kind of love we're talking about. When I say I love you, man, yeah, I love you too, man. When we're, when we're talking about I love you, man, what we're saying is I filio you. Filio strogos you. I love you with a brotherly affection. And, of course, you can apply that to ladies. You love each other as sisters. Look at this passage, Romans 12, 10. This is Paul talking here once again. He says, be devoted to one another in love. And that means brotherly love. Now, we can also love each other with the next word that we're going to get to, which is agape. And I'll get here to uh, for myself. Thank you. When we look at agape, everybody say agape. Agape is the second kind of love. Is it on the next page here? There we go. Okay, thank you. The next kind of love is agape, and that means self-sacrifice kind of love. And that is a love that can be applied to everybody, and it's the primary word that God uses. Now, the other love, which we don't have to mention here, is how I would refer to my wife, which is eros love. Everybody say eros. And who knows what English word that sounds like? There you go. There you go. So I eros my wife, but I filio Isaiah. Amen? And I agape everybody here. Is that cool? You all get that. Eros my wife, filio you, agape everybody else. Look at your neighbor and say, get your love right. 
Okay, don't be trying no arrows around here. Unless you my husband or wife, let's be married, and it's God's plan. There ain't no arrows coming up in here. Okay, amen. But agape can apply to everybody that you also filio. And that simply means not only am I a filio, meaning I'm affectionate towards you, I care about you, but agape means I'll lay down my life for you. I will serve you. I will give up my own rights so that you can be better. See, that's the kind of love that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 that we always hear at wedding ceremonies. Anybody ever hear that? Love is patient. Love is kind, etc. This is that agape love. So when we say that God loves us, I want you to know this. God loves you in both ways. God calls you his friend. He actually calls you his brother in another place in the Bible. The Bible refers to him literally wanting to be with you and spend time with you like you would a friend. And yet greater than that, he agapes you. He's laid down his life for you. He did that so that you may be with him forever. Now everybody say omnibenevolent. Now this is this big word that refers to one of the attributes of God, which means that God is all good, that God is all loving. So that in God's nature, not only do we see that he loves, but he is a lover. And once again, let's not think eros, okay? Let's not think erotic love. God just does not love. He is love. And what that means is in his entire character, he is defined by love and by holiness. Holiness without love would only result in judgment and wrath. Love without holiness could be any kind of sick and twisted love. So holiness grounds love in true meaning. I love my children in a godly way because it's been grounded in holiness. That's why I don't abuse them. Because the molester who abuses their child could say, I'm just loving them because their definition is whack. Is everybody with me? Holiness defines what God's love is and how it operates. Love is what defines God's character and how he uses holiness in the world. Because if God was only holy and not loving, then all unholy people would be judged and damned now. So God, the Bible says, is love in 1 John and in 1 Peter and also in the Torah, the Bible says God is holy. So he is holy and he is loving. And what omnibenevolent means is he is infinitely loving, infinitely good, first within himself and the Trinity and then with mankind. Now, at this point, some people may bring up the problem with evil. If God is so good, then how does evil exist in our world? If God knew that evil would exist, why did he allow it to exist? Well, I have an entire section devoted just to that here in my notes along with a cool little video. But we're not going to do that today in the sermon. Can I get an amen for that? Because this would just take too long, and then we would get off track, and I really want you to catch the love of God. I want, I want the love of God to be caught today, not just taught. So if you want to understand God's love in the question of how could God allow evil in this world, trust me, there is a very simple answer. It just takes some time to study it because if you actually want to learn from uh, scholars, you've got to listen to what they say. You just can't make arguments. Amen? Well, I don't believe in gravity. I, just, I don't think gravity exists. It hurts. It hurts. When I fall, it hurts. Okay? I just don't believe in it. Well, can I explain it to you? No, I just don't believe in it. I just don't believe. And it's like, I don't believe in God because bad stuff happens in the world. I just don't believe in it. Can I explain it to you? No, I just I don't want to believe it. I just think God, if God was God, there would only be love. And since there's pain and hurt and misery, there can't be a God because God wouldn't allow that, okay? Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I talk like this, okay? <laughs> that is how I feel people like that talk, okay? 
I was like, they think they're so smart. Well, then tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Then tell me. Then why if they're evil then, okay? You know, and I just, Jesus help me. This is where I need, this is where I need you to pray for me. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you give our pastor patience. Amen. This is what I need. Because I've been doing this almost 20 years, and I have to explain this to people all the time. I just don't want to get into it today. The thing is that God loved you so much, he gave you a choice whether or not you could love him, whether or not you would love him, right? God's not a divine kidnapper. He's not kidnapping you going, I'm God, and you're coming with me, and you're going to like it. Gosh darn it. He's not like that. He's not one of those people. He's like, Here, here's free will. You decide. You, I love you. It's up to you. I mean, we all love love stories. Everybody here love a love story? Does everybody know the difference between that and hearing somebody get raped on the news? There's a big difference, okay? God is not a rapist. God is the lover. God is the lover. Get that in your spirit right now. God loves to chase and come after humanity. The Bible says he leaves the 99 to go after just that one. God is into the chase. That's why he created the will of man and gave man the choice because he wants man to decide his eternal fate with him. God's not bringing you into the house and locking the door. Some people say, well, once I'm saved, am I always saved? No, just the way you came in is the way you can go out. He's not a rapist and he's not a kidnapper. It's not like God got you in the church. It's like, lock, hello, let's sit down and watch some TV together. And you're like, I think I want to go now. No, you're here forever. No, you come to church, you want to live for Jesus, and then you say, I don't want to do it. Jesus says, you can go. You can go at any time you want. You don't have to go to heaven. Now, just because you decide at one point you want to go to heaven doesn't mean you can't decide at another point. Hello, anybody here of Judas? Anybody here of King Saul? Had the Spirit of God, prophesied, did mighty works, and then he got filled with demons because he walked away from God. So do you want God's Spirit or do you want demons? Amen. I'm not meaning to threaten you there, but uh, maybe you should be threatened a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Just the teenagers need that. Where are you guys at? Don't you leave from God or you're getting demons. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> I am kidding. Please do not take that serious, please. Let me go through this prayer and then share my heart with you with the time that we have left. Number one, Paul said, out of God's glorious riches, he was praying because he knew that God had glorious riches. The riches of God are unending, and they come from his glory. Everybody say glorious riches. That means that God is not cheap in giving you things. God is not cheap in giving you his love, his companionship. You know, I was thinking of examples that I could say along the way of this, and there's so many, and they just flooded my heart. And uh, please bear with me because I may cry through some of them, okay? But I just want to tell you how great God's love is in different ways that I've seen it. One of the most glorious ways that I saw God was after I got saved, he told me that he would never reject me. That I could leave him, but he would never reject me. And I was in Bible college, and then I was reminded of this story where I think for the first time I was rejected, and that's what impacted me. And those of you who have been rejected, you know, those things from your childhood, they can remain with you. I remember having these friends, and we would skateboard together, and they said, hey, Joe, what's up? You want to go skateboarding? I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. And they're like, okay, go meet us by the bridge, you know, by Troy's house. And I was like, okay, man, I'm going to go to Troy's house. I'm going to go there. Got my parents' permission. Got on my skateboard. I'm going over there. And I get to the bridge. I can't see my friends. But yet I look over, and they're down the street. 
And then I'm like, oh, man, you know, maybe they're not here yet. You know, maybe they're not here. So, you know, I'm going to wait for them to come. But then I start seeing them laugh. You know, like I see them laughing. So I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm to skateboard to them. But as I started skating to them, what do you think they did? They started running away, right? And, man, I ju- it just hurt. You know, I was a kid. I was like 11 or 12 years old. It just hurt. And, you know, I tried to skate after them, and then they're running away. And, and literally, I spent like, I don't know, an hour of my time. It felt like forever chasing my friends, you know. And then at that moment, there was like, as a child, I began to realize, like, there's people who can reject me in life, you know. I was all excited. I was telling my parents, I'm going to go out and do this. You know, I had all these hopes. And then these friends could treat me like that. When I was in Bible college and God started to explain these kind of concepts to me, God said to me, I'll never run away from you. God said, you're never chasing after me. I'm chasing after you. And he told me this story through this book that I was reading about this father who would come home with his kids and then he would play this little game where he would run and tickle them and the kids would run away and then he would run and tickle them and let them chase them. And God began to say to me, that's how I'm with you. I'm chasing you. I want to be with you. I want to embrace you. When you think about your life and the people who have rejected you, I want to tell you, God is exactly the opposite. God is not cheap in his friendship. God is not waiting for you to pay him back. Jesus is rich and glorious in his grace and his love, and he's wanting to pour it out on you. He's wanting to give it to you. He wants you to receive it and to believe he loves you that much. Oh, but what about when I go through trials in my life and I don't feel his love. He's chasing after you. He's coming to you. He's wanting to be by your side. He's wanting you to know that in the midst of that, he hasn't left. People might have left, but he hasn't left. You remember the story of footprints? You know, there's these two footprints. God is showing the man his life. He says, this is me and you. We're walking together, footprints on the sand. Here we are. We're walking together through life. And then he shows him the troubles of life, and there's only one set of footprints. And, and then God, and the guy goes to God, where were you during this time? There's only one set of footprints. And God says, that's the time I picked up and carried you. I know it's an old story, but it's so true. It's what Psalms 23 says. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You are with me. That's what he was saying. Can I get an amen? The next thing that we see is that Paul's prayer is that the glorious riches of God will result in inner strength and power by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody say, I got the power. Vinny, would you come up here as we get ready to shut her down because I might start singing. I've got the power. How many of you, I want to talk to some dads right now because if I cry, I want some dads to cry with me. Can I talk to some dads up in this place? Fathers. Have you ever faced a tough day at work, something going wrong in your life, and you felt the power of the love for your children motivate you? Have you felt that, mothers? Have you felt that inner strength that comes in you? 
says, man, I don't want to be at this job. I don't want to do these things. But my kids, they need what this job provides. I've got power by that love. I've got motivation by that love. This power, this love is power on the inside of me. What powers the Christian life? Laws? Ten Commandments? Is that the gas of the Spirit in our souls? Is that what's supposed to motivate you? Don't do this or you go to hell. Don't do this or you go to hell. Is that the power? Is that our motivation? Is that what Paul is saying? I just pray right now that you understand the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments are power inside of you to motivate you. I mean, I love the Ten Commandments. How many love the law of God? I'm not trying to pit them against each other. I'm just trying to contrast them. One is greater than the other. It's the love of God that gives the commands, and it's when you love them you understand commands. But there's no way for you to get power from those commands. They're lifeless. The Bible says the letter kills, but it's the spirit that gives life. They have no power in them. Thou shalt not uh, uh, commit adultery. won't help you not commit adultery. You need the love of God on the inside of you. To love your wife, your spouse, whoever, that you won't cheat on them. It's love that motivates you. What motivated me to lose my friends? Love. I loved God more than I loved what we did together. That was my motivation. What motivates me preaching today? It's the love of God. When you think about the Holy Spirit, don't think of him like a force. Think of him like a person who is with your inner person, your soul, and he energizes you. He motivates you. Colossians 1.29 actually uses the Greek word for energy, that God empowers you, energizes you. How many like energy drinks? Don't lie. Raise your hand. You like energy drinks? Y'all need to get some energy of the love of God up in this place. The next thing that we see is that Christ wants to dwell within our hearts. Come on, help me out, baby. Christ wants to dwell within your heart. I mean, does that blow you away today? God is not saying, I'm in a building, come to my building. God is not saying, pray to me five times a day, and then I might let you in when you die. He is not saying, if you want to talk to me, I want everybody's attention, please. He, God is not saying, if you want to talk to me, you got to go through this person. My mother, my brother, my sister, father, Tom. No, he's not saying, if you want to talk to me, go through someone else. He's not saying, if you want to meet with me, go to this place. He's not saying, if one day you want to spend eternity with me, do all these things. He's saying, right now, I want to live in your heart. There is no other religion, no other figure of history that can offer you that. The great God of heaven and earth is saying, I want to dwell in your hearts. And some people may get caught up on heart. Well, what is that, my, my cardiovascular system? No, heart is where you keep the love for your family. Heart is where you keep the love for your identity and who you are. In the deepest part of who you are, God says, I want to be there. Sometimes we treat our heart like it's our apartment and Jesus is coming over as that unexpected guest. 
and we say to Jesus, hey, hey, come on in. Okay, Jesus, we know you're coming over today. It's a little weird. I would have cleaned, but hey, just come on in. And then we tell Jesus, Jesus, you just stay in the living room right here. And then we go to our bedroom. We take up all of our clothes. We throw it into the closet. We kick it on their bed. And then we come out and say, Jesus, my house is normally cleaner than this, but I'm just so glad you're here today. And Jesus is not wanting that. That's religion. Jesus is wanting to come into your heart and go to the places you don't show anybody else, the things that you've tried to hide. And Jesus, and Jesus, oh man, I just got hit by the love of God, that Jesus will meet you in that place where you don't even think you can bring your wife, your kids, anybody. Jesus will meet you in that place. And when you're the most scared and you're the most afraid and you're the most alone and you're like, and you're like afraid to even tell Jesus, like this is really who I am, this is really what's going on, you'll see that right there is where he shines the most. It's like right there in that place you understand this is what makes God's love God's love. It's like this is what separates him from everybody else because everybody will love you in the living room. Everybody will come to your kitchen. You know, everybody will be there for that. But it's these places of our heart that we don't want to tell anybody. It's like right there is where God shines. It's like right there because you know what? He went to the cross. He said, I love you this much. He said, I loved you before you even knew yourself. He's saying, I loved you before you even had this junk in your life. I I knew you and I loved you before all of this. This doesn't stop me. That's what God says. How many are thankful for his love? Dude, I thought I could get through this without crying. But I'm already crying. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, he will meet you. The Bible says that we're rooted and established in love. You know, I talk to so many of you here today, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, discipleship, discipleship, it's so hard. It's like you would think discipleship was like joining the Navy SEALs, like we're asking you to like hold your breath for five minutes in 30 foot deep water in the middle of the ocean, you know. You know all discipleship is? It's a love affair with Jesus. Do you know why Peter wanted to leave his family and say, goodbye, honey, goodbye, kids. I'm going with this man for three years. Do you know why they did it? Because they loved him. He captured their heart. He had their heart in his hands. And that's why when everybody left, And he looked at his own disciples. He said, y'all leaving too? Peter said, there's nowhere else for us to go. See, some people think like, oh, it's an option. Well, I'll go here, I'll go there. Like Peter understood it. If I go home to my wife without your heart, I'm empty there, Jesus. If I go to my job without your heart, I'll be so empty there, God. They knew it. I'll be empty without this. This is what makes my life meaningful. That's why Christians make the best parents. That's why we make the best businessmen. Is because we know that there's a foundation for why we do what we do. I model my parenting after God. I model my business after His Word. 
because he would never cheat you, and I don't want to cheat you. You understand? Anything you ever do in Christianity has to be rooted in love or you're wasting your time. If you help back in the nursery and you don't love God, you're just wasting your time. Young people, if you're coming to youth group and you're just doing it because you, you, know, you just want to be a better person and go to college and you don't do it because you love God, you're wasting your time. The Bible even says in 1 Corinthians, if you give your body to be burned, he says, and if you don't love and you give your body to be burned, you're still wasting your time. Do you love God? And do you want to ground and root your life in love? I come to church because I love him. I go to work because I love him. I do unto others as I want done unto me because I love him. Everything must be rooted and established in love because if it's not, it's all going to pass away. Every selfish thing will pass away. Every self-centered thing will pass away. Everything you did for yourself will pass away. Even good parents here who have done things for their children on the day of judgment, if you didn't love God for your children's sake, it will pass away. The only parents who are being rewarded on heaven and, and heaven are those who did it for God and for his glory and used his method of parenting. And I don't mean a method like spanking or whatever. I'm talking like, like they did it for the love of God. It's the love of God. Can I hear an amen? In, in the last verse, uh, getting to the last verse, he says, this is what I want you to have power to do. I want you to have power to grasp the greatness of Christ's love. Now, please hear me in closing, and thank you for your patience. As I was walking around all last month uh, preparing this sermon series, and, and last night, almost for an hour and a half, just walking around, I just kept thinking to myself, what example? What example can I give you about God's love? What, what, what story can I tell you? What thing can I get you to be motivated by? And, and, you know, I was thinking about all these different examples, and it's like they're, they're meaningful to me, but it's like, how can I explain them to you? I mean, I'm, I'm walking around, and I'm crying in my neighborhood. They must think I'm crazy. Like, why is this guy talking to himself and crying? Because he just keeps walking back and forth. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> and it's for real. My neighbor can hear me quite a bit, he says. But um, anyways, I was, I was talking ish about this, and, it's like God says his love is so wide and so deep and all of this. And I'm like, Lord, how do I even describe this? And I was coming up with these stories like the stories of my father and how he loved me. And like, boom, you know, there were these times when God showed me that, that this is what his love's like. And then one of these I just got to share with you because it's just a good one. I was trying to describe, uh, you know, I wanted to describe to you how happy God is when we're with him. And I just couldn't think of anything. And then God reminded me. Of when, you know, I work from my home office, and whenever I come downstairs to be with my kids, it's like a little party happens. Am I telling the truth? It's like dad's here, and they start doing, like, cartwheels and different things. I know a lot of parents. You know what I'm talking about. But, of course, mine are the best because it's mine, you know. So, anyways, like, everybody's parents, like, everybody, every parent here thinks their kid's the smartest and all this. So, anyways, I come in I come in the basement. I'm just like, honey, I need to get this thing. It's like, ah, oh, dad's here, cartwheels. Hey, dad, look what I can do now get rocked again <laughs> oh my goodness and um, I was thinking about that story and it's like man that's what I feel like whenever God comes into my heart and, and he does something special I just get so excited and I feel like God just wants me to know like I never left you I was always like I want to tell my kids I was just right up there I wasn't gone. I was just right up there. And I feel like God wants us to get excited when he comes around and also not to be afraid we don't feel him the same way we do in church because he's still there. 
So anyways, I was going through all these stories, and they're powerful for me. I'm weeping. I'm crying. And I'm doing this last night and everything. And then I'm like, God, I just can't settle on any of these stories. I don't know how to do this. And then God said, here it is. Look back at the word. And I looked right back at the word. And the word says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And I pray that you may be established and rooted in love and that you may have the power to grasp how wide and how long and how deep the love of Christ is. And then it just hit me. I'm supposed to pray for you that you now get your own stories. I'm now supposed to pray for you, for you to get those stories, for you to go on that walk with God for you to go home tonight, for you to read your Bible and to open up your heart and say, God, show me how much you love me. Because my story of getting left and being rejected and God being the friend that never leaves and my story of the children always being happy to see me, it's not your story. God wants to take these stories of your life and show you how it's one big love affair with you and him. He wants to show you that his love can be found in all of the things you do, even in the times you hurt the most, even in the times you feel the loneliest, even in the times you feel he's not there. He will blow your mind and show you how much he really loves you. Why? Here it is in closing. Because he wants, listen, this is amazing. He wants the fullness of him to be in you. He is saying, I am not withholding anything from you. Nothing. He's saying, all of me for all of you. You can't get any more full than full. That you would be filled to the full measure of God. Can I ask you this week to ask him to fill you to the fullness? I can't do it for you. I can't convince you of it. I can't argue you into it. All of us here who have felt it at different times, we understand it, but it's not something we can give because it was never ours. It was God's. And so today, I'm just beckoning you. I'm challenging you. I'm I'm just coming to you humbly and saying, go to God and be filled. Well, I'm a single mom and life sucks right now. Go to God and be filled with the fullness of his comfort and his glory and his goodness. Well, I'm a dad right now and I work two jobs and I'm tired all the time. Go to God and let him fill you with his fullness of grace and peace and strength and energy. Well, I'm young and I want to fall in love with a woman, but I... But they don't like me. That's okay, young person. Jesus loves you. He more than likes you. Fall in love with him. Praise God. <laughs> Woo! Come on, young people. Oh, there's so much love for God in you. God has so much for you. I just want to tickle some of you right now, especially you single folk, even older than just being teenagers. God's got so much love for you. Oh, down, down deep in your soul where nobody knows. That's where he'll go. Amen. Oh, would you stand with me in closing today? If you love God's word, would you give him a hand clap for his word today? Amen. We love you, Jesus. Band and altars workers, would you come, please? 
It's all about you, Jesus. Can I pray this over you in closing? That you would let go of every fear and every doubt you may have so that you can let God's love set you free and give your life meaning you've never dreamed of. Can I pray that for you today? Can I hear an amen? Just I can pray for Let's pray. Father, in my own words from the Apostle Paul today, I pray that everyone here, by the power of your Spirit, will have Christ dwell in their lives richly. And that, Lord, as Christ dwells in their hearts, may they be rooted and established in your love. May you give them a foundation for everything they do in life. And Lord, I now pray that this church, along with myself and everybody here, God, I pray that you will show us how wide your love is, how deep it really goes, how high it reaches, and that you would fill us with all your fullness because I believe that you can do greater things than I've ever imagined. You can do greater things than even what I've asked for in this prayer. I believe it. I believe you'll do it for your name's sake, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Can we bless him one more As you get ready to go, we're going to play some music up here about the love of God. But if you want us to pray for you for anything, can we pray for the love of God to meet your needs? If you need to know Jesus so that you'll know Jesus. And that, that you will know at this church, at every service, that's what it's about. Okay? Amen? You'll know that. That this altar call is not for judgment. It's for love. Amen? And so if you want to join us, you can. Otherwise, I'm just going to ask you to have a great week and to love God and people in a new way, in a fresh way. We all agree to do that? Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say it's all about love. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come on up for prayer if you want to join the after party. We love you. Come on, you all love Jesus? Amen. I know you love each other. Come on. God bless you as you go today. But if you need prayer or you just want to worship, feel free to hang out.